Hi everyone, my name is Rebecca and welcome to Where's the Map, a podcast about mental health, wellness, the hardships of being human, and learning how to navigate life. This week's episode is our second Pride Month episode, so I'm going to be talking about coming out and what it means to have pride in the context of being a part of the 2S LGBTQIA community. Where's the map to show me how to do this? What do I feel deep inside? I need a map cause life's so damn confusing Hell, I'd even take a Thomas guide Where can I find the map? The map to life Hello everyone, welcome back to Where's the Map? Thank you all so much for joining me again this week, and I'm really glad to have you here for the second episode in our Pride Month series. Like the title suggests, this week I wanted to talk about being out and proud as someone who is a part of the 2S LGBTQIA plus community, and specifically what that looks like for me as someone who identifies as Oriented Arrow Ace. Anyone who knows me from outside this platform and is either a part of my real life or follows me on any of my social media channels probably knows that I am a very public advocate for issues and awareness related to aromanticism and asexuality. But I feel very fortunate that being out and being an advocate is just something that kind of has always come very naturally to me. It has since I was a kid. I mean, even as a small child, when I was maybe about seven or so, my reaction to learning about the incredible story of Terry Fox was that someday I wanted to do that too and make it all the way across the country to carry on his legacy and raise money for cancer research. And to all the non-Canadians out there who have no idea what I'm talking about, um, quick sidebar... Terry Fox was an incredible young athlete, humanitarian, and activist who, at the age of 22, he set out to run across the country in what he called the Marathon of Hope to raise money and awareness for cancer research. After being diagnosed with osteosarcoma and having his right leg amputated a few years earlier, He did unfortunately have to end his run early just outside Thunder Bay, Ontario because his cancer had recurred and metastasized to his lungs and he ultimately passed away. But I I digress. My, My point being that I have always been an activist at heart and yes, coming out was certainly very scary for me, but mostly I felt really proud to be out once I finally felt confident that I knew my orientation. Recently, though, I was actually really inspired to open up more conversations about coming out after a friend and internet pal of mine. Uh, She recently decided to come out publicly, I guess, as being bisexual after being out to her friends and family for a number of years. And it really got me thinking about how challenging it can still be to come out and be out on a day-to-day basis as a person who is a part of the 2S LGBTQA plus community. We have definitely made a lot of progress in the years past, but I also don't think that we've made as much progress as some people think we have. And 
certainly a lot more needs to be made as we continue on. But I also have a lot of admiration and respect for this friend choosing to be publicly out. And I think there's a lot of value in talking about it, both for 2SLGBTQA plus folks, but also for straight cis folks who may not understand the nuances of what it's like to come out and how coming out is just one of the many aspects of the experience of being queer that has the ability to impact not only our mental health, but I guess also our overall well-being in so many ways. I think I've also gained a lot of insight personally, too, in more deeply exploring what it means to and for me to be out as a WLW arrow ace. Now, obviously, coming out is still a very, very personal decision, and it can be a really challenging and anxiety-provoking process. And I respect that there are great reasons for both being out and not. And I just want it to be really, really clear that I'm not specifically advocating for one over the other, nor am I stating that one is quote-unquote better or correct in terms of how to be as a person who is a part of the 2SLGBTQIA plus community. Ultimately, I guess I believe that being out is a very personal choice and that if someone wants to be out, they should be able to do that and still be safe, loved, and treated with respect. But while I'm not promoting a certain way to be as a 2S LGBTQA plus person, what I am hoping is to promote more thoughtful considerations and conversations around coming out, why it can have such value for folks in the 2S LGBTQIA plus community, and I guess how all we are all really looking for is to be loved, seen, appreciated, and respected just as we are, regardless of who you are or how you identify. So a bit about me to start, for anyone who missed my first Pride-themed episode earlier this month, um, if you did, I would recommend going back and checking it out. Um, but for time's sake, and to catch you up for this episode, um, I identify as oriented or WLW aromantic asexual, which basically just means that I don't experience romantic or sexual attraction to anyone of any gender, but I do experience other forms of attraction such as aesthetic attraction and sensual attraction toward other women. If I were to be in a romantic or queer platonic relationship, my partner would be a woman. So with that in mind, I am going to tell you a little bit about my coming out story. So I came out before I actually knew I was aromantic. That is something that I didn't really figure out until probably about a year or so ago. And for the longest time, I just could not figure out what was meant by romantic attraction. And while I knew I felt some kind of attraction to women, I, I couldn't, for the life of me, really determine if that's what I was feeling or not. And maybe that in of itself should have been a clue that I was aromantic, but that's kind of um, a discussion for another episode, probably. But the very first time I came out, um, I guess 
was actually the the spring of 2018 when I was visiting my sister who was studying abroad in France. We were on the tram in Bordeaux talking about boys and dating and relationships when she suddenly turned and asked me if there was anyone I was seeing or interested in. And I was totally caught off guard and just not in the right headspace to properly come out. And I think I kind of just stuttered something along the lines of, I don't really feel that way about anyone. And I think that's called being asexual, maybe. And then just promptly changed the subject. So super good job, Rebecca. Super classy. (laughs) At that point, though, I had known I was asexual for probably two and a half or three years, but I wasn't really ready to tell anyone about it yet, largely because I think I was just kind of afraid of what they would think if I told them. Asexuality tends to be, you know, so little known that I knew I would have to explain it every time I came out and also answer a lot of questions about what it means to be asexual. I think I was also afraid too that people wouldn't believe me or might just think I was making it up. I was afraid of being told that there was something wrong with me or that I just hadn't met the right person yet. I was afraid of being different in this way that would somehow make people look at me as deficient, immature, or that they would just pity me because I was, quote, missing out on what most consider to be such a fundamental human experience. Basically, I had a lot of fear and not enough self-esteem and self-confidence to balance that out. So I chose to stay hidden for almost another year before I really felt like I wanted to come out to my friends, family, and ultimately the public. The first time I came out for real, I guess, not counting the time with my sister in Bordeaux, was in the car with my bestie on my way home from having her come to the stable with me to meet my horse for the first time and watch us ride. I'd been wanting to come out for a while at that point, and so when there was a lull in our conversation, I just decided to go for it using Asexual Awareness Week as my casual in to what I felt like could potentially be a very awkward conversation. Now, don't get me wrong, I never even for a minute thought that my bestie would react negatively or disrespectfully when I came out to her. I had long since learned that she was always going to be on my side and that she would support me and be there for me, even if we didn't always agree or have all the same experiences or if she didn't understand. But it still felt scary and vulnerable to reveal something so intimate about myself and not specifically know what her reaction would be or how that conversation would go. Ultimately, she was super, super awesome about it and has not only been supportive, but also very thoughtful about how she goes about supporting me, which is something that I really appreciate so, so much. I wanted to be able to be out publicly, so... Yes, to my friends and my family, but also to acquaintances, colleagues, or people online. Basically anyone, everywhere. I, 
I didn't want to ever feel like I needed to hide who I was or think so carefully about censoring myself in different environments. So before coming out more publicly online, I decided to text my handful of other close friends just to essentially say, hey, just so you know, I identify as being asexual and I wanted you to hear it from me personally before I share it more broadly. And thank you in advance for being so supportive. And it went swimmingly. I really am truly grateful to have such a wonderful group of friends. And I never expected anything less than that from them. But it is just still such a relief, I think, when doing something so scary and vulnerable results in so much love and support from the people you care about. The last person who I came out to was actually my mom. She was on holiday during Ace Week, and I figured that I owed her more than a text to tell her I was Ace. I mean, I guess you don't owe anyone anything, but I felt like it would be better to have that conversation in person, just knowing me and her and what our relationship looks like now and has looked like in the past. And I honestly wasn't sure how my parents and family, like my extended family and stuff, would feel about me being asexual and later WLW and aromantic. And while I still feel like they probably don't totally quite get it, I guess, and maybe it's just my own insecurity, but I do feel like there is a possibility that they still think I'm making it up or that they don't believe asexuality is a real thing necessarily. But they've also never been anything but respectful to me about it and also just generally don't bring it up. So maybe that's just the best I can really ask for on that front for now, maybe forever. So I'll, I'll take what I can get, I guess, and I'm grateful that, if nothing else, they have the decency to be respectful, even if they may not agree with my orientation or believe that it's an actual thing. Um, there are a lot worse ways that could have gone, I guess. Now, before I talk about why I choose to be so out, I just want to quickly note that I recognize how truly lucky and fortunate I am that I can be out. Yes, there are times when I will still experience hate or discrimination because of who I am and how I love, like anyone who is a part of the 2S LGBTQA plus community, but because of where I live and my awesome group of friends and chosen family and at least having the respect of my family members, it's generally very safe for me to be out, and I know that that's not a privilege that everyone has. There are a lot of personal and societal reasons or restrictions why some people are not safe to come out now, even, yes, in 2021, as well as other intersectional identities that may contribute to a further marginalization of folks who already may not be as safe or who may not have equal access to the support services and rights that we all deserve to have as human beings so i just wanted to take a moment to make sure that i noted that and that i do recognize that i am very lucky to be able to be out and also be fairly safe for the most part in doing so 
That said, the biggest thing about being out for me right now, at least I think, is that as someone who is specifically aromantic and asexual, we are just in such desperate need of more representation out there that I feel like being closeted or privately but not publicly out as someone who, like I said, is safe to do so would almost be a disservice to my fellow A-spec folks as well as folks who are A-spec but just don't know it yet because of the lack of education and representation out there. Realizing that your A-spec later in life is unfortunately very common I should have looked it up. I don't know if they even exist, um, but I wish I had some stats to share with you. But anecdotally, I do feel safe to say that it's not at all uncommon to only realize your A-spec when you're in your 20s or 30s. And I've also heard from folks who are even in their 40s, 50s, or 60s in different online communities and other aspect spaces I'm a part of who are only just learning about and figuring out their orientation for the first time. Looking back on my own life, and I feel, again, fortunate that although I recognized my orientation later than a lot of my peers compared to many people who are a part of the aspect community, I was lucky to realize my orientation and find information and communities surrounding aromanticism and asexuality fairly early on and so looking back I just there's so much I wish I knew sooner and conversations that I wish people had been having it really would have made my experience figuring out and coming to terms with my orientation so much easier and if I can do that for even one person, one fellow A-spec, that's, that's something that just feels really worthwhile to me. The other aspect of being out that's really important to me is that as someone who was told their whole life that they were essentially wrong or deficient in some way for being different than what we considered to be the norm, and not even specifically in terms of sexual or romantic orientation but just even in other ways I really really want to be someone who others can look to who is telling the truth and hopefully empowering them to be who they are with pride and with courage because here's the thing all those people who told me I wasn't good enough that I was wrong or defective or deficient in some way they were the ones who were wrong, not me and not you if you've been told the same kinds of things by people in your life. I want the people in my life, both those who I'm close with and also those who I only know peripherally or in passing to own their authenticity and feel like it's okay to be exactly who they are because it is. Like, let's just stop trying to quote-unquote fix people who don't fit into our narrowly defined social constructs of quote-unquote normal. And why don't we instead focus on fixing the broken systems so that we can all be valued and included just as we are and as we all deserve to be? And on a more personal note, 
I think I also just really didn't want to feel like I had to hide anything. Not to get too deeper revealing, but there were a lot of secrets kept in my family growing up that I only learned about later in life as an adult. And add that to the fact that my family doesn't know anything about my mental health struggles, which I know may seem wild since I have a podcast about it and advocate for mental health issues publicly and often. Um, But I, I just didn't want to feel like I had to hide any more aspects of who I am. And not that I'm hiding the mental health things from my family specifically If they find them online like anyone else, I'm okay with that. But I'm also not actively advertising it to them, nor do I really want to actively engage in those conversations about mental health with them because that's just an area where we diverge so greatly. And it's just not something that I really want or feel comfortable getting into with them. So personally... Being out is also just really nice because I can be me and I don't have to feel like I need to hide anything or worry about being found out. There shouldn't be any shame in being different, period, and certainly not in being 2S LGBTQIA+. So why not shout it from the rooftops and advocate for a part of the community that just doesn't get enough awareness and enough attention as of yet? Recently, there has also been conversations about pride in the context of being 2S LGBTQIA+, in some of the queer spaces I'm a part of, kind of questioning whether it makes sense to be proud of something we ultimately had nothing to do with. After all, being 2S LGBTQIA+, isn't something we aspired to or accomplished. It's just who we are and who we've always been. It would be like being proud of having brown eyes or being a certain height. And I totally understand that aspect of it. But I think that there's also a lot of value and pride for those of us who want to celebrate it. And I wanted to give my take on why some of us really enjoy celebrating pride, even though it's very true that being queer is just a part of us and we had nothing to do with whether we were queer or not. In a more colloquial context, I know that pride is typically about feeling a sense of pleasure, satisfaction, or accomplishment for a job well done, or coming from one's achievements. But in the context of 2S LGBTQIA plus folks and Pride Month, to me, pride is really the opposite of shame. So... I wouldn't say I'm specifically proud because I'm aromantic asexual, but rather because I know my orientation is different from the norm, and I am proud that I can be different and still feel good about who I am, what my orientation is, and how it shapes my life. It's it's like saying, I know I'm different, but I truly like who I am, and I'm not going to apologize for that. Or... To quote the character of Mary Delgado in the musical Jersey Boys, it says, this is who I am. If you don't like it, you can go fuck yourself. Sorry. (laughs) Big theater nerd here. And that's literally all I could think about just now um, is that quote. Oh, so good. Anyway, with that, 
before things get too, too off the rails, um, I think it's probably time to move on to this week's local service spotlight. On this week's local service spotlight, I wanted to shine a light on a local organization specifically for aromantic and asexual folks called Ace Toronto. Ace Toronto is a group for asexual and or aromantic spectrum folks from the Toronto region and surrounding areas, and they are all about being and building community. They organize regular social events for the Aero and Ace Spec community in the GTA, hold regular Ace and Aero Spec themed discussions for Ace and Aero folks, and offer occasional public educational sessions. To learn more about them, their mission, and the programming that they currently offer, you can find them at acetoronto.wordpress.com. So that's acetoronto, A-C-E-T-O-R-O-N-T-O dot wordpress.com. They are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash asexyto. That's facebook.com slash A-S-E-X-Y-T-O. On Tumblr at ace hyphen toronto.tumblr.com and on discord and during non-pandemic times they also host regular meetups and discussions at the 519 located at 519 church street in downtown toronto you can also reach them by email at ace.toronto.general at gmail.com and now time for our question of the week On this week's question of the week, I wanted to tackle the question, how can I find a therapist that is competent in working with ASPEC or 2S LGBTQIA plus folks? This is a challenge that I've personally struggled with, and it's a common challenge voiced by many others I know in both 2S LGBTQIA plus and ASPEC spaces. And the unfortunate truth is there are just not enough resources and there is not enough education out there right now to really accurately address this challenge currently. But here are a few ideas and resources that I hope can help you if you, like me, are someone who has struggled to find competent mental health services and professionals as a 2S LGBTQA plus identifying person. So looking for professionals and services that advertise themselves as being 2S, LGBTQIA plus friendly and competent is a great starting point when seeking out services. But the biggest and best thing I can suggest when trying to find competent care is actually to set up an opportunity to have a phone conversation with a potential therapist prior to booking a first session. And that just really gives you a chance to see if they are a good fit for you and if they understand the nuances of being 2S LGBTQIA+. If you're comfortable doing so, I would even say that it's probably a value to disclose your orientation or identity and outright ask if they are knowledgeable about it and if they understand the nuances of how your orientation or identity impacts your mental health as well as other aspects of your life. 
I know it's kind of a big ask and it can be a challenging conversation to have with someone who you're just meeting for the first time right out of the gates. But if you're able to politely but clearly ask about these kinds of things, I think you should really be able to get a clear answer as to whether this is someone who would be able to help you or not as you narrow down your search to figure out who can best meet your needs. If you're part of any 2S LGBTQIA plus organizations or spaces, it might also be helpful to connect with other community members or even the staff at these organizations to ask if they have any resources, services, or professionals they can recommend who are competent in providing care to the 2S LGBTQIA plus population. They may be aware of resources that you're not, or someone may have a very telling personal experience about a professional or service that you are considering. More specific to the province of Ontario, though, Sherborne Health, which I featured in last week's episode, has also created a great resource called Rainbow Health Ontario, which is essentially a program that creates opportunities for the healthcare system to better serve the LGBT2SQ communities. They have a lot of really great resources, trainings, and information, both for service recipients who identify as being a part of the 2S LGBTQIA community, but also for physical and mental health care professionals and providers as well to improve their competency in serving 2S LGBTQIA plus individuals. One great resource that I wanted to highlight though is their service provider directory, which is designed to help people find health and social service providers who have expressed a commitment to providing competent and welcoming care to 2S LGBTQIA plus folks in Ontario. They include a comprehensive search function that allows you to search for a wider range of different types of healthcare service providers, including specialists, mental health related service providers, and alternative healthcare providers, in addition to traditional Western medical care. You can also search the service directory for other types of service providers as well, such as fertility services, lawyers, notaries, tattoo artists, hairdressers, and tons of others. There is also the option to search for providers with expertise in specific orientations, gender identities, or other intersectional identities, although asexuality and aromanticism are not currently specified options that they have available to filter results by at this time. If you're interested in checking them out, their website is rainbowhealthontario.ca and you can find their service provider directory under the LGBT2SQ Health tab on their homepage. Other places you may find 2S LGBTQA plus and or ACE competent services include Family Services Toronto or your local family services organizations for those of you who are outside of Toronto. Umbrella Mental Health Network, a network of queer and trans-identified mental health professionals who serve the 2S LGBTQA plus community, and the 519, which not only offers counseling services themselves, but also has a compilation of mental health services and resources available to the 2S LGBTQA plus community 
both for youth and young adults, as well as a separate compilation for adults over the age of 30. I will include links to all of these resources in the show notes for this episode, and please feel free to reach out to me on social media or via the podcast email at wheresthemappod at gmail.com. If you'd like more suggestions about 2S LGBTQI plus services, and I will do my best to hopefully point you in the right direction or to find you someone who can do so. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Where's the Map? And if you liked today's episode, please consider subscribing, sharing, or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever listening platform you use. Or if you're feeling ambitious, do all three. Do you want to ask me something in a future question of the week segment? You can email us at wheresthemappod at gmail.com, or you can find me and Where's the Map updates on my Instagram page, which is at I am Becca Ashley. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. And for anyone who's listened this far, you get the benefit of a friendly heads up that it might be worth keeping an eye on your podcasting platforms next Monday. Who knows? Is it possible that there may be some special bonus Where's the Map content being released? I don't know. I guess you'll have to check it out to see. So thanks again, everyone, and I will see you next time.